What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And well, today, for the new moon, new book, we have something that is so now, it's so not now. even out. It's not even out yet. <laughs> this is <laughs> so, so you, exciting. Yeah. So it, it's like you cannot get anything that is newer than this book, and you'll be able to get it beginning in October. So what book am I talking about? I'm talking about The Witching Year, a memoir of Ernest Fumbling Through Modern Witchcraft by Diana Helmuth. So it's a it's a memoir, right? This is not a how-to. This is not a beginner's book. This is really just that. It's a memoir. And some of you may know Sybil Leake's book, Diary of a Witch, which was written back in, I'm going to get this wrong, I want to say 1968. Um, I don't really... I mean, there are in those early ones. years, those are those. Yeah, those were the early <laughs> years. Um, but yeah, so this is it's sort of following that tradition. I want to say it definitely is following that tradition. So here's the deal. Since it's a memoir, we're not going to go chapter by chapter because it seems kind of weird. Like, you know, it's not like chapter one is about sigil. No, chapter one is just a day. In fact, it's broken up by the different days because it's a year and a day of her doing witchcraft. What? this episode is going to be is a little bit different for a new moon new book because normally you guys come on here and we're talking about a book we read and we are we're going to give you a little bit of like our thoughts and why we think you should or should not read this spoiler i think you should read it um but we're also going to have the opportunity to actually talk to diana talk to her about her process about what went into the making of this book and really kind of give space for a moment for all of you sort of witch adjacent people who are listening to the podcast and have been wanting to find a way in. Um, you know, I, I know we've talked a lot this year and, and I think probably last year too about like not wanting to do intro stuff. So this is a little bit, you know, taking a step away from that. But I think when we were given this opportunity, we kind of realized this is for a portion of our audience that maybe doesn't always get spoken to directly and like this is for you guys so if you have been struggling with like trying to find a way in or you don't feel confident enough to call yourself a witch this new moon new book is for you explicitly see and i'm gonna argue that and i'm gonna say <laughs> that for all you crones out there like me all the people who've been doing it for a long time this book is important for you to pick up because will you roll your eyes yes your eyes will get a, a workout, but in a good way, in the sense mm -hmm. that we know what it was like to start when we started. Mm -hmm. This book will really allow you to understand the new witch, the today's witch that's just starting out, and to maybe give them a little bit of grace because yeah. it's so easy to go, well, why are they doing this or why are they doing it? Because they're starting now. They can't go back in time and start when we started. So... I liked seeing she fumbled in ways that I didn't, but the technology wasn't there for me to. Yeah. yeah right? Your fumbles were different fumbles. <laughs> My fumbles were totally different, but we all fumbled. So in a yeah. way, it's nostalgic because we can go back and go, oh, girl, I remember being there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then in other ways we can go, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I was a little too critical of so-and-so. Right. This, this person has made me see, yeah, I guess these witches today... They're kind of struggling with something else. So I'm going to say, yes, I understand what you're saying. Gemini's not wrong. It definitely is for that for that demographic. But I'm going to say for all the people who have been in the craft for a while, we forget. 
We really forget what it's like to be running around. And I'm going to talk about specific things that she did that made me laugh because I went, yes, I was, I did that. I totally did that. And it's funny now because now it's not a big deal. But when you're starting, it's huge. So anyway, even though it's not a normal witch book, I'm going to start with a quote. Oh, I love it. Yes. This quote got three stars in case you're wondering what I do with my notes. So I'll put quotes in. And then if they're just quotes that I like, I'm like, "Mm, okay. And then if the ones I'm thinking about, I'll have like notes with like my thoughts afterwards. And if I love them, they get stars. And if they get three stars, that's how I know that's the one. This is like the quote. This is the quote. And what I think is funny is that I am going to read it and try to look at Gemini as much as I can because I feel like she's going to have a reaction. For better or worse... It's very obvious to me that Wicca is the primary bedrock of modern American witchcraft. But I guess we're not supposed to acknowledge that fact too loudly. Okay, so great. No, I love this. I have thoughts. Um, I think this leads me into one of the things that I really like about this book. Um, Okay, so just for context, obviously none of you have read this. It's not out until October 3rd. Um, But we read (laughs) this. This is written in a very sort of like millennial sarcasm style which, which just, i love like uh, it's just my bread and butter like this is how i talk to people so it works out perfectly if you're not into millennial sarcasm it might be harder for you to get into but that is that's yeah a hundred percent like that's the millennial sarcasm way of saying like yeah so like everything's wicca but we're pretending it's not wicca um and i think that that's i think that that's a huge conversation and a huge like point to bring up for a person who is like I am just, I am right now, like, in the, <laughs> this is not a spoiler. We were talking before we recorded about, like, what counts as spoilers and how much we can actually talk about. Um, but this is not a spoiler. This is the context of the entire book, is that Diana goes through a year and a day of trying to go from basically being an atheist to becoming a witch or, or you know, understanding Wicked. modern witchcraft as right. she goes through. Um and for somebody who like is literally not is literally not involved in this at the start of this book to then go oh yeah so we're like it's wicca but we're not supposed to say that insightful as fuck yes. insightful as fuck wicca is a dirty word now right we're not supposed to mention it meanwhile so many people got into witchcraft through wicca i but you know what i don't even think it's i don't think it's like that i think it's people are trying to pretend like, all of their new practices aren't tainted, right? Because, like, all of modern witchcraft started with basically Gerald Gardner being like, this is my practice and this is my religion. And that went through Britain and and Britain is all of them. That went through Britain and that came to America. And then Americans were like, oh, we're going to try other things. And now we get to, like, like, I'm a Hellenic and I'm trying to be out here like, oh, my shit's not Wicca. There's Wicca in my shit. There's Wicca in everybody's shit. Wicca had its, yeah. its grubby little hands on everything. And you can't pretend it's not there. You can't. We do. We do all the time. The whole community does a lovely job of trying to pretend that their shit isn't Wicca. But so much shit is Wicca. And we're just like kind of porting it over and pretending it's not Wicca. See, I just, and I go at it from a different way. Not what you're saying. What you're saying is, is I agree with all of that. I'm saying like when it comes to me, I'm like, yeah, Wicca isn't everything. Therefore, you need to think critically as you're yes. putting together your tradition. And it's okay, but 
you know, to say, okay, I'm, this is from Wicca. Like I always talk about the wheel of the year. We've talked about the wheel of the year. Why can't we have our own wheel of the year, right? Yeah. Even Laura Tempest-Zakroft has said that having your own wheel of the year, this is not new. We didn't invent that. Authors have been saying that, but we still have a problem as a community saying, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you know, that's Wiccan because, you know, now we know more about Wicca. Now we know yeah. more about the people who created Wicca and we want to distance ourselves from it. But like you said, it's there. We have to accept it. So not only did she go through a year and a day of trying to understand more about witchcraft, but she had, it was during COVID. So she was, she had just moved in with her boyfriend. This is not spoiler because mm-hmm. this happened in the very beginning. She's telling us yes. this, right? She um, moves in. Um, they get locked in together. She's trying to do this. She has some medical issues. Let's just say that. Right? Because read the yes. book and find out what's going on with her. Because yes. I think that's really and interesting. that's a big one. So we're not talking about somebody who's like, well, la-di-da, I'm just going to immerse myself in Wicca. Because I can hear people thinking like, oh, here's somebody who had nothing better to do. No, there was a lot going on. And she really wanted to give this a go. And I feel like what she did was very much in the spirit of what so many of us have done. One of the things that I really enjoyed, and this is, again, not a spoiler, is that... Diana really, in like this first chapter, Countdown to Day One, communicates something that I think we all come into witchcraft feeling. And that is like truly a desire to be in touch with something divine and spiritual and bigger than ourselves. Yes. You know, I think that there was there was definitely a worry in my mind when we sort of picked up the book that this was going to be like some kind of fluff piece and like, oh, well, I just wanted to research it. Like, you know. Right. I don't really, and when you write something in millennial sarcasm, like, there's a worry, like, oh, you're going to be making fun of it. And right from the jump, Diana's like, no, I want to find something that's going to spiritually fulfill me. And yes, this is a a year and a day project for a book. And yes, this is kind of going in a complete opposite direction than maybe what she's been raised with or experiencing. But she, she cares. She's invested. It's not like... I'm fucking around. It's right. I really want to try this. Um, and I loved that and I appreciated it a lot. I also appreciated the very beginning where she says to the reader, I'm a realist, right? Mm-hmm. I like to be able to, you know, examine things with my five senses. I need to, everything needs to make sense. And I think if she hadn't written that, if she came at this as a, oh, I really love crystals or something, it would have seemed... Mm-hmm superficial like this is somebody who's going to take it seriously but at the same time she's like i'm coming at this with a critical eye you know i'm not just going to be believing everything and i think that's really important when it comes to any witchcraft practices you know that's the whole point of witchcraft is that we're not coming at this just like all i don't know fluffy and whatever um i don't know what else you want to talk about because definitely a couple of things the first thing is before we started recording i mentioned to scorpio that i think this is what a book of wins should look like Mm. um i know you guys have heard me talk about this before but this is a this is a diary right and it is amazing to get to share somebody's diary and look into what they actually are thinking and feeling as these things happen you you should do that that could be your book of wins That's what you should be writing down in it. And, you know, sometimes she's experiencing frustration or she's like not believing something. And sometimes she's having profound, beautiful experiences. And yeah, write it down so you can look back at it later. It doesn't have to be like in the grimoire, in the Book of Shadows as this beautiful spell, this beautiful thing. Just just write it down. 
Um, and even it could be less good than Diana's, right? You don't have to write down like a, a funny, witty, like right. analysis afterwards. Just write your shit down. Um, so if you have ever had trouble with like, oh, Book of Winds, I think you should read this and it will like clarify exactly the point for me yeah. of what a Book of Winds is. Um, but I guess the other thing is like really a vibe. I want to talk about a vibe for this book. Um, and I don't know if you picked up on it because I know that you're not a raised Catholic but I picked up on it a lot of guilt and fear that really, mm. you know, this is a journey of trusting your intuition and learning to be yourself. And I think that there are so many things, especially for women that prevent you from being able to do that. And you really get to see Diana struggle with that as this journey goes on. And it was really powerful for me to sort of see another person go through that because I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own heads that it's like I'm the only person that has ever experienced this feeling ever and no one understands you know and I just feel I just want people to love me and I just want people to believe me and I don't want to sound crazy and I want to sound smart and all of these feelings that are totally totally valid but also that hold you back from the shit that you want to do and to watch her journey so not, re not in real time, but like in real time of going from, you know, like right at the beginning, I want my mom to support me. So I'm going to explain this to her in a way that like doesn't sound crazy to then like just being so much more comfortable and to be able to trust her intuition so much more is it's also sort of like if you've ever felt you're not going to get there, read this book because you are going to get there. Yeah. I think as an East Coast witch, and I never thought that I would say this, I, I, as an East Coast witch, I got a glimpse to the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And so if you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to read a memoir. If you are listening to us, you should, you should read, it. read it because I found out things where I'm like, okay, that's that's not a thing. And then I realized, yeah. oh, wow, that's a West Coast thing. Like, it's different the out there. What she said is that... Wiccans believe that sex is sacred and and the pleasure is a gift from the gods to be enjoyed and revered. And I'm like, um, what? I must have missed that. Mm -hmm. No one. In fact, I had a teacher who, bless them, I remember her <laughs> thing was, uh, you know, ethics. I like have her I, already. Have I like done sex magic and not told my partner? Yeah. You know, sometimes I just need to raise the energy. I don't need him involved. And I remember listening to this bitch going like, that's so wrong. Like you have to tell the person. So when I read it's, it's sacred, I'm like, I have never heard any of the people in New York anyway, calling it sacred. Yes, you can do a lot of magic with sex magic, but like sacred? And I loved the the way, I, I loved getting an inside look into somebody else's head. Because yes. I think that sometimes, like, like that question is something that you grapple with when you come into witchcraft. Of like, who do I trust? Who do I believe? Where am I getting my information from? And watching her grapple with, like, okay, well, yes. who do I trust? Who do I believe? Where am I getting my information from? And even, you know, like, in a very journalist way, acknowledging, like, oh, not everybody agrees. And there's lots of different options. And, like, right. yeah, acknowledging that is great. But grab like fighting that difficulty watching someone else go through that it's just so validating of like 15 year old gemini 
and 20 year old Gemini and 25 year old Gemini and just every it here's the thing after my Pericles problem reading this book was really good for me that's what this was that's that's what I'm realizing right now is going through and realizing that like oh I was being very hubristic about my approach to religion and then watching Diana like fully grapple with her own issues to try to come to like a spiritual uh, I guess enlightenment to come to a new spiritual path like it it I want to try it I want to do this kind of year in a day almost oh my god that could be kind of cool yeah um, like diary entry year in a day you know and that's the other thing that when I was reading it and this is why I said I think that older witches should read it as well when we started it was very simple you either knew somebody mm-hmm. you went into a store um, I was also very jealous of the fact that she was like, oh, there's like four stores near me. And I'm like, great. All right. Um, Share, please. I know. Send Especially them our since way. <laughs> we got bad news recently. I don't know if oh, people I who know. are following it know. Catland Books is closing. Um, I think by the time this airs, they will be closed. Which and is devastating. It's completely devastating. So we lost, I mean, they've been around for a decade and they were... I think a powerhouse. I think they were so influential to so many people through their classes, through not just the stuff they sold, but just who they were. And so we lost something huge in the witch community here in New York and anybody else who's bought from them. So, you know, they probably don't listen to us like we've always said, but, you know, thank you from Witch Space. And yeah. to anybody else who's who's found them helpful that has listened to us, they are amazing. Um, but yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we forget is that, okay, so when we're starting, we have a person, we have a place, we either take classes with somebody but there is an order to the books that we read. In fact, yeah. we tried to do, replicate that order our first year, right? I was yeah. like, I mean, I don't remember exactly the order, but I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure we started with Margaret Murray or Gerald Gardner and yes. you know, we worked our way. Now there is so much information and this is something that she grapples with in the book, yeah. right? Okay, so I'm going to read this book, but I'm going to talk to this person and then there's this thing online and then there's, and my heart went out to her. Like I wanted to mm-hmm. give her a hug and just say like, you're fine. Like, it's okay. Like, yeah. you don't have to do it all. There is so much for a new witch to try to grapple with that I, I don't know. I don't know how she did it. Um, I don't know how anybody does it today. Not no, man. I would not. I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. And I mean, like, looking back at the way that I approached. We talked about this, about how, like, I needed I need to be right all the time. I have to have all the correct information. I have to do all the research. Like, there are moments that she had in the book talking about like the way over researching made her feel that I felt like I I was like oh girl <laughs> preach ditto I remember that I remember being in places where like I was looking into stuff so much that it made me paranoid or anxious or uncomfortable and it's like yeah it's I I really I send good vibes to anybody who's starting right now because damn yeah she even mentions witch talk which she does I was like, oh, she oh, mentions geez. Mata. Yes, she does mention which Mata. we love. We love her. Yeah, so she starts out her first ritual, Lunasa, mm-hmm. and she realizes it's Lunasa kind of late, and she runs out and buys as much stuff as she can to get started. And I, I feel like that's something we can all relate to. Yes. We have all been that starting witch mm-hmm. that's like, mm-hmm. I have to go buy my shit. I have to go buy all this stuff. I have to do it the right mm-hmm. way. Oh, God, I didn't do it the right way. Okay, the part that really resonated with me was her first use of her athame. And she's like, okay, I have to go outside the circle. 
but wait a minute, I have to open a door and then I have to seal it behind me. Or like she left a book outside the circle and she had to grab this book. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, you see that now as somebody who is not new. Again, I want to give her a hug and go, doesn't matter. Doesn't like matter. you're good. You don't need <laughs> yeah. to leave the circle, you know? And if you do, just leave the circle. Right. Come. Like you're good. Yolo. You know? You'll be fine. But we've all had that moment. I think we've yeah. all had that moment where we felt like, okay, I've screwed it up. Now what? You know? Um, yeah. She struggles a lot through the book. I felt like she needed a good, like, fairy godmother to just kind of, like, be there with her and just tell her it was going to be okay. Because I think she did a great job. I think she... Amazing. But yeah. but I think that's the point. I think that it, it's better... I'm sorry, Diana. It's better that you had to struggle so much because yeah. we get to then... We benefit from that. And even, like, me... I want to, I feel like I've been doing, how old am I? Hold on. Over 15 years at this point. I just had to do quick math, which is probably wrong, but over 15 years, I have been a witch in some capacity. And like, there are so many things that I'm like, oh, I could try that. Or, oh, that, that would be a fun, fun tweak, or this would be useful to me. Um, and so I'm really excited because we're going to get to talk to Diana. The next part of yeah. this interview after our little interlude music is talking to Diana about the process of writing the book, insights that she had. And I really hope that this not only like benefits you guys, that you can take some stuff away from the podcast in general, but I hope that it motivates you to at some point get the book. Um, yeah. It was a great read. I think it was really it, it took a minute, right? Because I'm so used to reading, like, academic texts right. for which space. It took a minute for me to, like, transition. But for me especially, it was just really nice to read another person going through it. Yeah. I'm sorry that this book is coming out at the time that it is. I think this is a great summer reading book. Yeah. This would have been a fantastic summer reading book. This would have been great. But it's great for now. You know, take a break. Take a break from your practice and read somebody starting at what? Are you ready? Okay. I, I don't know. Tell me. Okay. So it's coming out October 3rd, 2023. Yep. Mm -hmm. You should read this book before Samhain. Oh, yeah. For sure. And then being the Witch's New Year, you should dedicate... I'm going to do this. I'm going to dedicate my new New Year to... Like, trying new things and being young again and remembering what it's like to be new at witchcraft. I like that. I think that's so fun. Yeah. Clean slate. Yeah. I thought you were going to say start a book of wins. Start oh, day I, Well, one. I already have one, but you guys should do that. Start a book yeah. of wins. Samhain. Day oh, oh, yeah, I'll just get a new one. Fuck it. I love notebooks. Start a book of wins with me, Gemini. Book of wins challenge 2023, 2024. <laughs> Starting on Salon. I think this this um, book, since it's going to be so new and people get crazy and they don't have time to read, I would say this is a good Yule gift to witches yeah, as well. Absolutely. Give it to your bestie. I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out and say this book should be read by everybody who's a yeah. witch. And you know what? If you're just curious, if you know somebody who's curious and they're like, how do I even start? Not suggesting yes. you take it and, and you do every day the way she did it, but hear somebody struggle. Yes. Right? And what I really appreciated was she was so forthcoming with telling us about other struggles in her mundane life. Yes. You know? And yet she was committed to this, committed to doing this, following through. 
And so I think having spoken about, you know, what goes into it, given you kind of an interesting uh, hour takes, I think it's time for us to talk to Diana Helmuth and ask her, is she a witch after this whole process? I like it. Let's do it. So we told you, and here we are with Diana Helmuth, author of The Witching Year. Hi and welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. For a little bit of context for our audience, obviously we've talked about our love for The Witching Year, but you're also the author of How to Suffer Outside, A Beginner's Guide to Hiking and Backpacking. So for, for our audience, give us a little background. We know you now as the writer of The Witching Year. Who was the Diana that started this project? What a lovely question. Well, I think, so I grew up in Northern California with a mom who was very much into hiking. Uh, She was an ER nurse. She did 12 hour shifts in these, you know, sterile boxes with screaming people around her. And on her days off, she would go hiking for hours, I think as a form of personal therapy. And sometimes she would throw me in the car with her. So from a young age, I began to associate going into nature with rest, with breaks, with connection. She always she didn't want me to take my tamagotchis with me this was like the 90s right <laughs> you know I get it. She, she would kind of shame me if I ever brought technology with me if if I had had a cell phone I think she would have said leave it alone what are you doing so I grew up with this association with nature being something that was kind of sacred and being in California this is the home of a lot of a lot of neo-pagan and witchcraft movements, right? Starhawk, yeah. Oberon's All Ravenheart, um, Caridwen Falling Star. I'm probably forgetting several, but uh, I heard someone say once all the hippie buses broke down in Mendocino and let everybody off, and then they just kind of stayed and started doing all their woo-woo. So I grew up with people in my high school who were reading tarot, who were wearing pentacle necklaces, and they weren't really afraid. I don't think this is something that could have happened in every part of the country. So I knew as many witches growing up as I did like Christians or Jews, <laughs> to be honest. But I never really wanted to dabble in witchcraft because I was also raised with this generation of people. And I don't know if you guys experienced this. Um, Gemini, I think you might be similar in age to me, although I'm curious, Scorpio, if this happened to you as well, where when you grew up, it was like, there was this undertone of religious people are stupid and smart people are atheists and they hate God and they reject the opiate of the masses and (laughs) God is dead. And that makes us smart. Like that was, that was the kind of the unspoken code. And I really wanted to be smart. So that was the camp I fell in. So it's not until even I'm like, I'm like 16 years old reading tarot in my friend's living room, straight up celebrating Yule chanting you know Isis, Astarte, Hecate, Inanna like da 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 (laughs) and and but I'm like oh it's just play I'm not really doing anything and then COVID hits I'm like a 33 year old woman and very slowly and gently I have this realization that I am tired of God being dead God is dead and I don't want him to be I don't want it to be I don't want her to be right so I have this idea, (laughs) like, what if I actually just 
tried it. I'm, you know, I'm alone in my house. I've been confronting what really matters to me outside of the gaze of the public and, and the, the shame of wanting to admit that I crave being held by the divine. And I, I dive in and I convince my mom who who first asks me with great care and and fear this is in the intro of the book she you know she's like are you gonna start worshiping satan <laughs> i have to tell her the the way that i get her on my team is i say no i'm just turning hiking into church and she's like oh well fine then okay great have fun like let me know how i can assist you mm-hmm. <laughs> um so that's how i went from being an outdoorsy writer to a witchcraft writer in a roundabout way yeah I think the transition makes sense. I feel like there, and, and you know, you see it when you look at the history of witchcraft. I think the connection right. to nature is so important mm-hmm. that I understand how you go from I'm hiking, I'm in nature to now I am revering nature. I am a part of nature in a more spiritual way. Yeah. Um, and I feel you a hundred percent on the atheism is cool thing. That was a hundred, like right. I was there. I, that was part of, and I was, we were talking to Diana before we started recording. I've talked on the podcast a bunch about how, like, I didn't say I was religious and now I have to admit that. And that was part of that is that I didn't want Uh to be in that camp. I didn't want people to feel a certain way about me. And I think that that is also a great transition to sort of talking about the book, because when Scorpio and I were talking about it in our sort of review, we really appreciated sort of getting to watch somebody grapple with the things that every witch grapples with at the beginning of their journey. Um, As people who who have been in it for years to sort of be reminded of what that felt like. But also one of the big reasons we wanted to have you on is we have a lot of witch adjacent or like baby witches who listen to the podcast. And I think that your book is such a great opportunity to just not only watch somebody be held by the divine, but sort of be held by another person and be told, hey, I'm going through it too. We're all going through it. Even though you feel so alone, we're literally going through it together. Yeah, thank that's actually incredibly high praise. I that that is what I wanted to to ultimately do. That's kind of the undercurrent of the book. I mean, with how to suffer outside, what I wanted to do was create this book that made it, it was like a permission slip to feel like you didn't know what you were doing it was a permission slip to feel stupid and still feel valid like you can still be an outdoorsy person even though you have no idea what's going on and you don't have that much money and you're intimidated it's fine it's fine we're gonna do this together I kind of wanted to bring that to witchcraft except of course how to suffer outside is prescriptive it's a how-to and uh, the witching year is not it is very deliberately deliberately not i i do not feel qualified to give anyone advice about witchcraft i can recommend tons of people who can but yeah this is just uh hopefully watch me fall down a bunch and then succeed sometimes in in an effort to to yeah as you said relay that experience of it's it's okay if you do too maybe we still belong here and that's fine Maybe you don't just hear the moon talk to you one day and go, oh, I'm a witch. And then you're self-actualized and perfect from that moment forward. Like that's not, I feel like sometimes that's what people think is going to happen. Maybe that's what some witches project. Um, but it's like not, it was not my reality. <laughs> it's not my reality at all. I, I When she said that to me on the podcast, she's like, I really think this is what who this book is for. And I said, you know, it's so funny because I'm Gen X. So we really didn't give a shit what anybody thought about us. Um, so that was different. Yeah. But I said, you know, as somebody who's been doing this for a while, 
I feel like older witches, not older in age, but people who've been doing this longer need to read this book too, because they need to realize like one, stop judging the younger witches. Look at what they're going through. You know, I didn't have the internet. Look at all the sources. The idea that you went through from talking to people, to books, to going online, like you went everywhere to get all your information. We didn't have that. We barely had stores. So maybe it's time for witches that have been here for a while to step up and say, instead of judging younger witches going, oh my God, one, you need a hug and let them know you're doing fantastic. Because there were so many things that I forgot. And one of my favorite parts in the book is when you've cast the circle and you're like, I have to get out. Wait, I have to cut into it. Okay. Now if I cut into it, I laughed so much at that because I felt like you were watching me like years ago. Like, cause I think everybody has had that experience where you're like, oh shit, now I'm in here. Now I got to get out. Wait, I don't want to get out. Should I just start all over again? What am I going to do? Yeah. It's like, what am I doing? You know, or like the first time my dog walked into the circle, I'm like, now what? What does the book say? Or what does somebody else say? Like, what do I do? Like you have all these moments Uh and then you forget. And I think sometimes when you forget, you get an ego without realizing like, hey, you might be doing this for 15, 20 years, but you're still not a God, right? You're still just a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. in a lot of the craft, at least in New York, but we're judgy people in New York, I feel like you can get some judgy wishes, witches and that needs to go. And like all that nonsense needs to go. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a piggybacking off of what you said. There's this, there was so much information I encountered. I mean, it felt like I was just in a fire hose of advice and it was overwhelming and it, it, I'm not a parent, um, but my sister, who is a mother, uh, when she was going through her her first pregnancy and the infancy of her daughter, um, she said, I feel like I am bombarded by information, but no wisdom. And this kind of felt similar to that. I felt like I was bombarded with information, but very little wisdom. And then I thought, okay, I need I need to pick some voices that I think are wise. And that was its own process because everyone is like, you don't want to talk to him. You want to talk to her. You don't want to talk to her. You want to talk to him. Like Silver Wave and Wolf is super problematic now. And Scott Cunningham was a cultural appropriator. And um, okay, well, what about Juliet Diaz? Yeah, but you know, she did this the other day. And you're like, like oh my God, like, like kind of, and that's when it, I think it honestly took me until December to realize like, oh yeah, unfortunately, as much as I want to just be told I really am just going to have to figure out what is correct on my own and risk doing something dumb, doing something that possibly later I will discover was a little racist or a little appropriative, Um, possibly doing something that I will later just completely cringe at for one reason or another and trying not to, really trying not to. But the the forgiveness of yourself that you are just always trying to do better um, is maybe that is something this year actually did teach me but I'll I'll say it's still hard because sometimes I think in an effort on our own paths to be better people we really like to call out loudly other people who we think are doing something wrong and instead of coming off as supportive it just comes off as frankly insulting (laughs) um, shaming but that's just internet politics I guess (laughs) yeah I would like to I want to get really deep here but let's really quickly tell us a little bit about the process so we know that this was sort of a a 365 day journal um 
give us a little bit of insight into how the writing process works for you for creating this book in the first place. Oh my God. Wow. No one has asked me that. Okay. Well, I promise it's related to witchcraft. <laughs> it started as a, as essentially a journal, had a big word document on my computer. I wrote, they asked me for 80,000 words. I wrote 165 and she said, okay, I can give you 110, but that is the best I can do. Mm -hmm. So we, we cut a lot um, because things that I thought were really important ended up, I'd be, I, you know, I would say, but this really profound thing happened in March. I mean, it was like incredible. It was amazing. And my editor's like, yeah, dude, the, you literally say that in December. I'm not trying to tell you that, you know, your experience is invalid. It's, it's tricky because it's memoir. I, ha I had an amazing editor, Ronnie Alvarado at Simon Element, who was so tender with me and also so gentle in being like, Diana, but this doesn't make any sense. You know, <laughs> we need mm -hmm. to reshape this. Uh, she's, she's a delight and I hope to get to work with her again. So uh, writing the book was a challenge in the sense of trying to create a narrative out of real life. And I think we did a pretty good job while staying, I would say 90% truthful to the timeline. There were a few things we had to change order of, uh, you know, the order of events. I preface that in the book, but like everything that happened, happened. We just had to move a couple things around uh, to get a narrative going. But the order of when things reflect on each other, like when I do a spell and whether or not it works, all of that is retained because that's all chronological, right? Um, I think writing this book was a challenge because it's it's the longest thing I've ever written. It was intensely personal. And then also, uh, I forget the reason behind this, but they called me up last August and said, we are actually going to need the full manuscript about four months sooner. And I got off the phone and I had I, what I think was an actual panic attack. Um, and then I, <laughs> this is going to sound really cheesy, but I looked outside of the trees and there's this alder tree and this cedar tree that were near me. And I just kind of watched them. And I was like, they do exactly what they're supposed to do on the timeline. And they're perfect. Okay. I'm just going to be a cedar tree. I'm just going to be a cedar tree. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was honestly comforting. It was really comforting to just be like, just be the tree, just be the tree and you'll get it done. And also writing a book is a group project, period. And anyone who pretends it's not is, uh, I think, a liar uh, or they're not acknowledging the people who help them. You have an idea. You're the one who does the bulk of the work. But I had like four editors I had a reading and writing group who were constantly keeping me on my game and helping me not make a fool of myself and asking me what do you really mean here and can you say this better and without them this book would not be what it is period so I'm really grateful to them for that yeah so the reason this is about witchcraft okay so <laughs> Um, I went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, you're good. It was Never wonderful. ask a writer about writing. I needed you to for this exact reason, because one of the things that I work with is I have a book of wins. Um, I'm sure you read about Book of Shadows in a million books. The yep. Book of Wins in my practice is a journal. It's keeping track of just sort of like your vibes, your feelings. You know, did I try a spell and did it not work? As opposed to what people sometimes treat the Book of Shadows like is this very, you know, sacred, beautiful text that like has to yeah. look like charmed. And I, I think that your book is a book of wins. 
Oh, I love that. Um, actually, the original, <laughs> I haven't told anyone this, not really. Uh, the original title I wanted for the book is This Is Not a Book of Shadows. I love that. <laughs> and they said, thank you. And they were like, it's too clever. And I was like, what? too clever and they were like it has to have witch in the title it's not everyone knows what a book of shadows is outside of the witchcraft community which might be true but anyway to your but point I do love that it. yeah because yeah. one of the things is sometimes when you get started you feel like you have to do the most and this book being a book is also sort of a sign to everybody be like yeah this is a book of wins but this is the most edited and beautiful version of a book of wins and your original book of wins that you wrote for the book is probably not as great. There was a team there to make it, you know, a per- yeah. like a publishable work. And even the, even the things that we are vulnerable with and showing are always still a little bit perfected. Mm-hmm. And witchcraft doesn't work like that. You know, that doing witchcraft, you can't be perfect. You can't have a, a team of editors to, go through your spells and be like, oh, here you go. Fix that. Change that. Here's a candle. You have to do mm-hmm. it yourself. Yeah. You have to do, which is something I still honestly sometimes just don't like. I, I don't know if I'm just like a religious sub or something, but sometimes you just show up and you're like, can someone just tell me what to do? Like, I don't have, I don't have the energy for this. Can someone just tell me what to do? And can I get the gold star and like feel better? And the thing that took me a really long time to realize is that witchcraft doesn't allow that which is I think why seasoned witches maybe as you said Scorpio have an ego but also it's just like you can't fuck with them because they have been honed like a blade into trusting themselves and it's really difficult to fuck with someone who's been through that that many times (laughs) who's confronted their own doubt over and over and over and over and over and came out the other side and been successful in creating things like you just can't they're 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 harder to manipulate they're harder to trick they're harder to make feel bad yeah scorpio is unfuckwithable yeah 100 (laughs) percent. she gives off that energy i get the vibe like through zoom i get the vibe like i would not fuck with you we have said it a million times like i'm actually a teddy bear you have to watch out for that one I'm she nice. is yeah she's I'm yeah straight up not nice too. i do i believe that too yeah because the people but... who are the most unfuckable are also the biggest teddy bears i think <laughs> okay so we made it a point on the first half of this episode not to give anything away because it's perfect. People need to discover it for themselves. So we're just going to ask you questions and people don't read into it. Okay. We're just, we're asking these questions because, so you've done a whole year. What is a witch? Uh-huh. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like, like we were kind of saying before, when, I mean, if someone asks me if I'm a witch, I say my first response back is who's asking and why? Um, but to me, a witch is someone who is capable of manipulating a part of reality with willpower. I think that is a part of a witch. And I, 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 I like that definition of a witch. And I think I, that's kind of cribbed from several sources, including Margot Adler, who I just love, but every definition of magic and wielding magic involves personal willpower, right? Um, I do think 
there's a character in the book who I have codenamed Blanca and she tells me she doesn't identify as the witch even though she's like in the middle of a witchcraft scene when she tells me this and I'm like really like tell me more about your relationship with goddesses of the underworld and your crystal collection while you also tell me you're not a witch and she says a witch is a job a witch is a person in the community who who provides services and I don't do that anymore and I think some people would argue if you're performing the services for yourself, it still counts. I would argue that, but I respect people who see witch as more of a public facing role and so do not identify as such. Um, I feel really conflicted about those two sides of it, to be honest. <laughs> Welcome to witchcraft. <laughs> Everything's conflicting. Um, yeah. When we talk about things like this, and, and this is a struggle that I've had very publicly on the podcast, how does it feel to be vulnerable about this process? You know, what what is it for you, the relationship between witchcraft and that vulnerability? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> um, no, real talk. Like, I, I, I hate it. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure I would have done this if I wasn't getting paid to do it. I got paid to write a book about this. And honestly, if someone had not paid me to do it, I'd be like, you want me to walk around naked? No, there is a price to that, you know, because that's what I'm doing in the book as I'm walking around spiritually naked. And the way that I made myself feel better about it was thinking, I'm sure everyone else feels this way and I'm relatable, hopefully. Oh God, because otherwise I'm just making an ass of myself. Um, and, and you know, th this was a choice. This this was this was something I was privileged to do, something I was excited to do, something I'm grateful I got to do. But it uh, it was it's terrifying being vulnerable, putting yourself, your personal life, your your spiritual life out on display for everybody to judge. I I am really scared, and I know there's going to be lots of hate mail. <laughs> and the thing is, I've told myself there's going to be hate mail from people who, you know, there's going to be some evangelicals who are gonna tell me I need to be burnt at the stake um that's a little spooky but I'm like whatever I didn't care what you thought in the first place I am also nervous that other people other witches who I respect and like will see everything I did wrong and judge me for it and that will sting but I think when you put anything out into the world anything creative uh, a painting a song a podcast that's just the price of doing art right so here we go, you know, and say, we're lucky to do it the whole time. <laughs> you mentioned in the book that you want, and I'm paraphrasing, right? Witchcraft should be mainstream. This is the way it should be. And I don't think we're going to get there if we don't have people like you saying, you know what? Fuck it. This is how it, this is how I did this for a year and a day. Did I make mistakes? Yep. The first witch who's never made a mistake come forward. If you've never made a mistake in your practice, no one's going to come forward. There's not, there's nobody alive like that. And if they say they are, they're lying. So I think that's how we create that world. Honestly, you know, by, by being honest about stuff, like I don't have all the answers or I don't know that I would call myself a witch or like that definition that Blanca, the no, Oh, it's, it's, it's a job. It's like, wow. Okay. So that's like another way of looking at it. And I think, I don't think we listen to each other enough to realize like when you say something, how somebody else might be perceiving it. So no, I think that, I think it's going to go over great. That's not a question. That's, I just wanted to comment. That's a nice thing to say. I, ho I hope, yeah. no, I hope, I hope it does. I do. I, th I think if everyone dabbled in witchcraft, the world would actually be a better place. Whether or not you leave calling yourself a witch, but just like 
the amount of the shadow work of it all. Are you kidding me? If everyone did six months of shadow work, I really think the world would be a better place. Like everybody. Hopefully it does inspire people to dabble. We'll see. I think you kind of hit on some of the two, two sort of main themes that I picked up from the book is that theme of shadow work of like this whole process is shadow work of becoming a witch is dealing with that shadow. And also sort of that idea of sisterhood, not always being like everybody being nice to each other. And that kind of (laughs) back and forth of, I have to deal with my own struggles and then I have to struggle with and against other people. And thinking about it right now, I actually think that witchcraft is just New York because witches are really Uh like, they, they will absolutely give you what you need. Like if you need something, I got you. We are also not nice. We're like not nice (laughs) to each other, but we're very giving. And so, you know, that, I think that's can make it harder because you want to rely on other people. You want to be able to say like, here's a mentor. Here's a figure that I can trust. Here's somebody who is wise. Like you were looking for that wisdom, Mm -hmm. but you can't trust everybody. Some people really shitty. And even the people who are helping are sometimes also hurting. And so it's this, this constant cycle, this constant process. And on the, like the first thing I want to say is just like, that was really insightful. The pickup on sisterhood, because so often we say sisterhood is this beautiful thing. And like, no, I have a sister and like our relationship (laughs) sucked for a while. So very insightful, very accurate, but also where in your journey was how in your journey did you balance out that shadow work and that sisterhood aspect? I balance the shadow work, the sisterhood aspect. I mean, the sisterhood aspect was, I grew up with sisters and most of my friends are women. So I feel like I'm well-trained in sisterhood. You can be in a fight with someone and then, you know, eating ice cream with them 20 minutes later. I'm like, I can, I can do, that's fine. I can do that. I'm good. Um, I've been training <laughs> for and I had a handful of mentors during the year, Maggie Lisson and Lauren Parker, who called me on a lot of shit and then also consistently helped me out. And I'm sure were tittering behind the scenes at me, like two fairy godmothers. And I was okay with that because I had I had allowed them to do that. I had given them that role. I had asked them to do it. Mm-hmm. So when they did call me out a little bit it didn't feel patronizing it genuinely felt helpful because I had decided I wanted them to have that you know authority over mm-hmm. me to give me advice um the shadow work aspect the shadow work aspect was really there were some things we cut from the book where I'm processing a lot of grief around my grandfather and coming into the realization of a lot of my own white fragility that it didn't totally end up making it in some of it did uh but not the whole of it <laughs> my editor was like maybe not everyone needs to see the full depths of your anti-racism journey and I was like I think it might actually be really important as white people living on stolen land I mean don't you think she's like it's not that I don't agree with you it's just you look really bad in these sections and I'm like I know that's the point she's like mm-hmm. I know that's the point anyway well that, that's a whole other book but I was just going to say part two, we can get that. Yeah, yes. part two. I, I think the thing, I think a lot of people resist shadow work because it is gross and you're going to have a lot of tough realizations about yourself. And 
I wouldn't say that I've like fully forgiven myself for these bad things I've done in my past, both inadvertently and um, advertently. Is that a word? Inadvertently and advertently. It is inadvertently now. and on purpose. Yeah. Uh, but I've just, I think I've just learned rather than to be forgiving and fine with everything, I'm mostly just patient. And I think that patience with my own shit has allowed me to discover patience for other people's shit and not take it so personally and offer more grace to people. I actually think that has happened. Did, did that actually answer your question? I'm not actually sure. Yes. I, did answer your I feel like you talked about both of those things. Okay. Um, did you think that working with having given your friends the, that authority, did that help uh-huh. you get through the shadow work as well? Or was that something that was really just personal and didn't work with them at all? Oh yeah. I mean, it, one night with Lauren, I, I think it was in October. I just called her up and she asked me, how's it going? And I said, I can't, I can't start. I don't know who to listen to. There's too many voices and they're saying conflicting things. And I'm really afraid of getting it wrong. And she said, the first thing you have to learn is letting go of this idea of making an invisible teacher happy. And I'll never forget that. Uh, And that was step one to learn to trust yourself but it was again the first six months were we going with me telling other people but how do you trust yourself without knowing you're gonna totally fuck it up and the answer is just accept that you're gonna totally fuck it up the issue isn't perfection the issue is self-judgment this (laughs) yes i i've been going on a journey on the podcast forever but specifically this year I call it my Pericles problem. I won't stop talking about it. I'm like, uh, I'm like that guy in um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia with the 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 wall with the like Charlie Day just yeah 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 panic about yeah, yeah. it. Um, but I I've been just talk, Scorpio. Did we figure this out? I've been doing this for over 15 years. Yeah, I've been doing this for over 15 years, and I still constantly have that problem of like, am I doing it right? Am I correct? Do I get an A plus for this? Do I get an A? Can someone yeah. come give me an A? Yeah. And it, I was, we, I talk, I, we did a whole episode about it because it hit me that hard. But looking at, um, I'm a Hellenic witch. And so I was looking at Pericles and some mm-hmm. ancient Greek history and realizing that like, I had learned it correctly for the way that I had learned it, right? I got an A in that class, but I had learned it maybe out of context for mm. Greece and therefore my practice and that was my realization of being like oh I have probably been fucking up this whole time oh man and what can you do about it you just keep moving forward and I think that that was one of the reasons I loved the book so much is because you just kept moving forward and even you know 15 years in it that was hard for me to be like oh oh fuck all right gotta sort of start over but also keep it pushing yeah totally that's that's in a way validating and also like wait 15 years and you still feel this way you mean it doesn't go away sorry (laughs) tell me it goes away tell me it It does I did a there's a lot it's a long journey I've been on I did a lot of jumping around um it does get better but I guess for me on my side of it I want to ask you as someone starting right closer to the beginning than I am, what is the, why is it so hard to choose yourself? (laughs) Oh my God, God, that's a deep question. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
Lord. Did you see the Barbie movie? Yes. I feel yes. like that actually. I I uh I, I plead the Barbie movie. <laughs> Honestly, acceptable, wonderful answer. Correct. Yep. That's perfect. A plus. <laughs> yeah, you know, um patriarchy emphasizing modesty, Puritan values, uh the 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 idea that coding ourselves in modesty will make us likable people and being likable is how you will get ahead in life something like that i don't know in a way i think it comes from a from a sense of self-protection because you know if you've ever met a narcissist or a megalomaniac like a real one not just like your shitty ex but like a real one like a <laughs> like a like a trump level one mm-hmm. they they those people are dangerous and i think there's some part of your brain that's like but don't do that okay don't hold the American political system hostage. We don't want to go that direction. Yeah. And maybe so so, you know, some some self-awareness is healthy. Some modesty, some leashing, humility, I think is extremely healthy. Um finding the line between trusting yourself, being a doormat. I think it's there. I think it's really hard to find. Maybe it just takes the rest of our lives to find it. I don't know. I, I've, I've given up ever realizing I'm going to be there. I'm like, I think this is just going to be a path I'm walking forever. And it's a path witchcraft has taught me. And that's fine. And maybe I will never like get to the end of it and feel perfect. But who feels perfect? Those people are really boring. <laughs> you know, who wants to be perfect? Yeah. yeah. Now, I want to delve a little bit into religion, unless there's something else you wanted to... No, my therapist just told me that it would be boring to be perfect the other day. And I was like, are you sure? (laughs) I know, like, but aren't they happy? Even if they're boring? Sure. (laughs) Okay, so you talk about in the book, the struggle that you had because of the way you were brought up religiously. And then you come to this realization that I used as the quote in the beginning, but I'm just going to read it out because I was just like, I just have to know how you feel when you realize this. You said, for better or worse, it's very obvious to me that Wicca is the primary bedrock of American, uh, modern American witchcraft, but I guess we're not supposed to acknowledge that fact too loudly. So I'm like, when you realize that and you went, oh God, if I just jumped from like one religious aspect to another religious aspect, and maybe that wasn't what you were looking for. So I want to know more about like that aha moment for you where you were like, how did you feel about that? This is something I think I'm going to get a lot of email about. And honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm open to the dialogue. I, when I was growing up in the early aughts and I was in high school, uh, everyone was doing Wicca. Wicca and witchcraft were synonymous in, you know, white West Coast America. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for the rest of the country or the world. I think I want to say it was true for the whole of the United States, but I'm just going to speak for where I was. And then, of course, these movements happened where a lot of witches were like, we're not all Wiccan. We don't like every part of Wicca. We're not all white. You know, we don't all relate to European magic. This is not our roots. Um, And I think those movements are great and I want to give them as much steam as possible. What I thought was funny is when when I started the journey, I wanted structure. So I dove into Wicca because Wicca was a religion. And then I realized basically no modern books about Wicca had been written. No one was really a Wiccan anymore. If if I wanted to grasp the heart of the witchcraft movement, I had to branch out. So I go and I buy, I think 10 or 15, I forget the number. It's in the book of the, the best-selling books about witchcraft. No Wicca. All the authors I discover are Wiccan, were brought up in Wiccan traditions, or are doing Wiccan things. Um so I was like, oh, I'm not 
we basically just tossed out the the Wiccan read and are calling it something, but this is the same, but this is the same thing. Like I thought we were going to be doing something different. So I, I guess this is me being a little bit of an edgelord because I think it's really funny when some people like to pretend that modern witchcraft in white America, America in general is like totally different from Wiccan has nothing to do with Wicca. And I'm like, I'm not saying you have to be Wiccan or like Wicca, but like, that's just factually untrue. Wicca has colored this entire landscape, uh, whether we like it or not. I think it just has. And um, I think it's better to just acknowledge it rather than pretend it's not what's happening. And arguably, of course, Wic- Wicca is this reconstructionist folk religion put together by Gerald Gardner, who, according to many people who knew him well, just stole it from a million other sources. So it's it's not like I'm giving Gerald Gardner all the credit for inventing witchcraft. I will give him credit for presenting it into the modern eye and the work he did repealing the laws against it in England I will give him that and I think he deserves that even though he was very imperfect in a lot of ways whether or not witchcraft is a religion Thorn Mooney has beautiful videos about this on TikTok and she says that religion is a political term I I, I think it is funny and again this is maybe me being an edgelord I think this I think it's funny when some witches get really defensive about their witchcraft not being a religion because I think it just speaks to that underlying fear of don't call me religious I'm not stupid you're like yeah no one said you were stupid we just said you were religious because it looks like you're religious no but I'm not it's it's it is as if you have called them stupid and it's like we're still so scared of this word because we associate religion with someone controlling us and someone telling us what to do. So I, whether or not you call your witchcraft a religion, I don't think I can determine that for anyone. I think that is entirely self-determined based on your definition of religion. And religion is perhaps more of a political term than anything actually based on belief. That's very fair. But I do think that the persistent defensiveness around the word is funny. Or rather, it's something I wanted to poke fun at because I think it it needs a little interrogating. I think I think it's time we stop being so scared of the word. That is my personal opinion. Yeah. And that's how we're gonna get to that point where everybody's a witch. Yeah. <laughs> the witch agenda. The witch agenda. Yeah, my witch agenda is I think everyone should be a witch. That is my secret, my secret witch agenda. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Or at least, at least try. I think everyone should at least try once before they die. And I mean, everybody. I'm talking about the men and the non-binary folks too. Yeah. I'm talking about everybody. I'm not just talking about women. Yeah. I really do. I do want to take a minute because we have you, the book talks about all of the wonderful things that have happened and the ways that you've grown. There's also a lot of anxiety in your book, um, how how do you process the fact that this thing that has been helpful for you also makes you more anxious? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, well, a lot of witches talk about, this is kind of funny. So if you're surfing around on TikTok, you, you see a lot of older, more seasoned witches advising baby witches to work on boundaries and protection, right? And I always rolled my eyes at that. And then here I am month nine in feeling like the universe is blasting me with signals and 
I'm spinning out constantly. And the more I try and focus my mind, the more I feel like I'm losing control of my mind. And I realized like, oh, that thing everyone was telling me on day one that I laughed at was um, <clears throat> correct. And <laughs> I needed to figure out how to put up some boundaries uh, with whatever the universe wanted to tell me. And really, there's a thing I do with my tarot now, like in, in the book, and I won't say what, but there are some things that I engage with, you know, crystals, astrology, um, psychic readings, trying to connect with the, the goddess, trying to uh, manifest certain things. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And I, I really leave thinking some things are hogwash and some things are uh, terrifyingly real, more real than I want them to be. And one of those things is my tarot. I, I don't fuck with my tarot. I don't like to look at my tarot cards for too long. And something I have really learned is um, not to ask them unless I really want the answer. Do I really want the answer? Do I really? Do I really? And sometimes it's like, you know, and I don't. I don't actually want to see the future right now. I don't want to know. Um, so I don't ask. And I think that was a real turning point with me and like, oh, these divine psychic powers I'm cultivating. Like sometimes you got to just turn them off for your sanity. It's not fun to be an open antenna all the time. I think you will actually, and I use this word very carefully, go crazy if you do that. Um, so I wish I had taken that advice from day one. <laughs> and, um, I'm glad I got there eventually so that I didn't, I didn't lose my mind with anxiety and uh, trying to read the universe in excess in, in the search for being spiritual, because that's, that isn't what I wanted. That's not the parlor trick I wanted. Yeah. No. <laughs> sometimes my brain is slower than, sometimes my mouth is slower than my brain. Um, is, is, that, did that answer your question? Was yes. That, that, okay. And in <laughs> fact, I think it, it, that's why my brain was doing a thing like short circuiting. Cause I think it leads me into sort of, you are already, you were already a person who was so, I guess in, from my perspective in touch with their body. Right. Because I'm like not an outdoor cat. I'm an indoor cat. <laughs> and yeah, so an indoor cat. you're, you know, you're hiking, you're backpacking. These feel like, like I've had to explain to people like, oh no, I like hiking. Like I want to walk around a lake, right? Like I want like, you know, like not real hiking. You're like backpacking, carrying gear. That feels like you have <laughs> to know your body so well. Um, but I think that that's kind of like a neglected part of this, you know, turning the antenna off is part of your body too. It's, it's that, yeah. I guess, mind body connection. Um, mm -hmm. And I just wanted to know, like, where's the difference for you? Like, what was the difference from being a backpacker to now this more spiritual connection with your body? Oh my God. That's such a great question. And I'm so glad you asked that. And I actually hadn't really, I kind of talk about this in the book, but honestly, it, it is a section I wish I had spent more time on because it was really hard to to get to this thought and then refine it in a way that wasn't cheesy but a big part of backpacking I think is actually ignoring your body uh, ignoring the suffering of your body because it sucks like it, it's you're miserable you know and then god forbid you hurt your ankle and still have to hike 20 miles out which happened to me when I was in my 20s and you you learn to go I'm not going to be in it I'm going to ignore it um, what can I get through? What can I grit my teeth and endure? What can my body handle? That is, that is 
how I approached backpacking. And I, you know, I've, I've, I've been a, a, a dancer since I was 15, mostly, mostly a hobbyist, but um, a nice thing about dancing is it's a little more gentle on the body, but more, more judgmental. So rather than making the body endure things, you're making the body do beautiful things. Um, I would argue dancing is an exercise in vanity and I'm not saying that is a bad thing. It just kind of is. You're, you're using the body to make beautiful things to connect with sound. I think dance is ecstatic. I love to dance. Um, but it was still, can I, can I do this? Can I nail this? Can I encapsulate this? Can I pose this way correctly? Better, no better, no better, no better. And then witchcraft was, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to cry just talking about it. What if you just accepted your body exactly as it is? No, really. No, really. No, lay down and do that for 20 minutes, really. It's very, very hard and probably the most healing thing that I did. There are two sections in the book when it happened. And the first was because I was dealing with some chronic pain in my low back. It ended up being a bruised nerve in my L4, L5 spinal column. I mean, I was in significant, significant pain. I was terrified it was the rest of my life. And I used Matt Oren's book, Psychic Witch, to do an exercise that actually allowed me to feel pain-free for the first time in several months through an act of radical self-love. I might actually cry. Um, and it's very cheesy, but I just, I think it's almost that I couldn't believe that I could actually be capable of that. That mm -hmm. that was actually accessible to me. That I could do that on my own following some exercises i don't love my body every single day now i don't i still struggle like why don't these pants fit why do i have this belly you know why is mm -hmm. my jowl sagging but if you grew up in the hip hugger <laughs> it's really validating to hear you say that work like being an active person is not an act of getting in touch with your body because uh I always feel like that's what I'm supposed to do right like oh to get to be in touch with my body I'm supposed to like go backpacking or like you know find an activity that I like and I feel much more capable of like sitting and doing witchcraft <laughs> to get in touch with my body than I feel of like backpacking um although maybe I have to read your first book and then I'll be better at it <laughs> But I think that that, I think that this whole process, this whole conversation we've had, every question, everything we talk about just comes back to what you showed in the book, which is that sometimes you have to just be the most important person in your life and make the choices that lead you down the path that you want to be on. And sometimes you're going to fuck it up and you got to get back on the path. And sometimes you're not going to understand and you got to find a mentor. And sometimes you're just going to walk for a while and not be sure if the path is good or not. Maybe there's a cooler yeah. path somewhere else, right. but it's always this process of coming back to you and what you need and what you want. And again, as someone who's been doing this for a really long time, it's just really nice to see somebody starting out and go, Oh yeah, I am doing it right. They're doing it right. And I'm doing it right. And we're doing it right together. Yeah. And, and I think when some, something interesting, I've, I, I think I always resisted like this kind of, I call it worship of the self because I was afraid it would turn me into a narcissist or a megalomaniac. And something that I'm realizing is the more I just am kind and patient and focus on myself, the more I am able to be kind and patient and offer focus to other people. That's actually really true. 
because uh, we're communal beings. I'm a very communal being. I like it when there's people around me and the people are happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the more I ensure that I am myself, those things, then the better everything radiates outward, like, you know, waves in a pond, if you will, after throwing a rock in. Yeah. We can't pour from an empty cup. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people have been saying this for years. It just, it really did take me trying to be a witch for a year to get to it on my own. But that, that makes sense because I think, you know, we, we think that filling our cup is doing so much. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil things, but there's a a part in the book where you talk about um, doing acts of service yeah. And sort of realizing the way that you do acts of service maybe wasn't the way that you should, that wasn't the mindset you should have been in for mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like we, we hear the platitudes, we get told the thing, we, we watch the Barbie movie, but you have <laughs> to be with yourself to actually figure it all out. And it doesn't matter if you're a year one witch or a year 15 witch or a year 564 witch because you're an undying vampire. <laughs> you got to keep learning the, the lesson every time. Thank you so much, Diana. I This was a wonderful conversation. Is there anything you wanted like to touch upon that we didn't get to? No, I think you guys asked <laughs> such great questions. Um, thank you. To wrap up, uh, we said it before. We're going to say it again. First of all, you you are such a fun person to have on here. Like, thank you for being so open, both in the book and with us here. This is a book, guys. Get it for Samhain. Make it a Samhain gift. Make it a Yule gift. I don't care where you are in the trajectory of your witchcraft. You're going to enjoy this, and you're going to relate to this. And again, especially for the older witches have a little bit more grace. Maybe we need to be better mentors. Maybe we need to start that. And that's going to be really hard because I can hear all the New York witches going, are you crazy? Yeah, even us. Like we need to be a little bit more (laughs) open because like Gemini said, we're not nice, but we are kind. So, you know, reach out to people, Mm -hmm. start talking to people. You know, if Diana could do this during a pandemic, Okay. There's no reason that anybody else out there can't get inspired by this book and go, okay, now what, what is my path going to be? It's not going to be this path, but what's it going to be? So thank you for writing this and thank you for being on here. Thank you so much. It was such a delight to chat with you guys. You asked such great questions. This was such a nourishing conversation. It was great. Thank you. And we'll see you back here when you write part two. You guys can check out the description. We're going to send some, put some links in there, obviously where you can buy or pre-order the book. Um, We're going to link you to Diana's blog. I think there's some fun stuff there that also relates to our conversation. And hey, if we want to hear more from Diana, let us know. Shoot us uh, Instagram or email us. You know we love to hear from you. Thank you to Connell and Moore for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us.